Thank you for joining us for this episode of PointCast. I am your host, Francine Dash, and in studio today we have our guest, Genevieve Meyer. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yep. I'm always afraid I'm going to butcher someone's name. I really appreciate you coming in and meeting with us today and preparing yourself to share your story. Now, as you know, PointCast is a show that talks to voters about issues that concern them, and you have a very personal story to share around the issues that concern you. Um, now, you are originally from Ohio, but you now live in Indiana. I'm actually not originally from Ohio. Okay. I was born in Southern California. Oh, I spent okay. the most of the majority of my li- under like childhood adolescence in it, California. Okay. Um, with a couple brief stayovers in Virginia and Ohio. Okay, okay, but you made your your way here, so you have quite a, a journey and a story to tell. Yeah. From the time you were born in California and making your way here to Indiana, uh, what was life growing up? For you, what was life like growing up for you? Sure. So my life started off okay. Um, I was born to a single mother, so I didn't have my dad in my life. Mm-hmm. But my mom had a family support specifically with her dad. Mm-hmm. And then I had another older brother who was 11 years old. So we lived in Southern California. Um, by the time I was two, we lived in a brand new house. Uh, my grandfather, he was kind of my primary caregiver for mm-hmm. quite a while. Mm-hmm. And my brother lived with us, and it was just kind of the four of us. Uh And um, I went to school, and I did gymnastics, and I did ballet. I was very obsessed with ballet. (laughs) And I I like to read, and I love my books, and that was pretty much my life um, until I was five. Uh Um, The year I turned five, things changed drastically in our household. Uh What caused the change? Well, my grandfather started getting sick. Okay. And then my brother, who um, was 16 at the time, mm-hmm. he discovered that his girlfriend was expecting. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, if a girlfriend's expecting, you get married, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have no choice. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then and that's your family tradition? Is that how? I don't know if it's really a family tradition. I mean, I don't think it came up before then. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly not with somebody that wasn't an adult, to mm-hmm. my knowledge. Mm-hmm. That, that has mm-hmm. not happened in our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I do remember my brother, you know, saying, this isn't really what I want. Can mm-hmm. we talk about other options? Mm-hmm. And, um, he very much felt like he did not have any other options. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so he got married and he moved out and then, um, so this would have been like January of like a couple of months before I turned six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a spare room in our house and another family in the church said, Hey, I've got this kid. He's 17. He's homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, really had a lot of hard knocks, and uh, but I have three girls, teenage girls in my house, uh-huh. and we don't want to put him out on the street, but I don't want him here with my teenage daughters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And my mom was kind of like, oh, well, I got a room. I got an extra room in my house. He uh-huh. could come and stay there. Uh-huh. Um, and so he moved in shortly after my brother moved out. Okay. Um, he's 17, mm-hmm. um, definitely has um, some emotional issues mm-hmm. and probably suffered a ser- serious amount of trauma. Mm-hmm. He was not a well person. Okay. Uh, within three months, my mom had married him. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he dealt with um, not only mental health issues, but a lot of substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. alcohol issues. And then my life was just pretty much chaos from that point. So he was how old? He was 17? He was 17 when he moved in, and they got married on his 18th birthday, which was two days before my sixth birthday. So the boarder who moves into your house with these issues, who had been homeless, was he receiving any counseling or anything? So he becomes your stepfather. Yes. And you're six years old now, and your grandfather's health is failing. Right. 
And your brother is out of the picture for the most part. Yeah, my, my brother moved out. We kept in contact with him for a little bit. Yeah. But um, I think by the time his son was two, he had moved away. Okay. Like far away. And okay. we did not see him and we did not hear from him very much. Okay, so where does your family go from this point? So from this point, um, the following year, my younger sister was born uh-huh. and my grandfather also passed away. Oh, wow. Um, we continued to have a lot of drug problems with my stepfather. Uh-huh. And um, the solution was to possibly move out of the area and mm-hmm. move him away from those influences and mm-hmm. the people right, and he right. get clean. And um, that was kind of the common narrative of if we could just get my stepdad clean, then everything would be okay. Okay. Um, I don't think that's necessarily was the case. <laughs> I think it was a lot more complicated than that. Right, right. Because she hadn't seen him any untraumatized you know right. she, he'd always yeah. he'd come with he, he came broken yeah he came and he broken. just continued to and, break and he continued to yes yeah. okay all right um so my, my mother's mother her health was also failing okay. um so she had, had received a cancer diagnosis she was in ohio okay and so that's how we ended up from southern california to, to ohio that, yeah. was for my mom to spend some time with her mother uh-huh um and then uh, so we were back there we lived with my my grandmother in her apartment for like a couple weeks okay uh my mother and her mother definitely have an extremely volatile relationship Mm -hmm. uh her mother was not a fantastic person either and um so we were in a hotel and then at some point um my stepdad my mom reached an agreement with a longtime friend of my grandmother's and they all purchased a house together in a questionable part of Youngstown, Ohio. So was your grandmother involved in this purchase or was just the friend of your grandmother? It was just the connection, I think, that was made. I don't think she was involved in the purchase. Okay. But um, ultimately, and I actually recently found this out when NBC did did the article because they turned over every rock. Right, right. Um, So it was actually this this man's name on the house, my mom, and then my stepdad. And this is in Youngstown? This is Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. Um, it was not safe to go play outside kind of part of Youngstown, Ohio. Right. Um, right. Everybody was like, why are these people that look very different from us living here? Mm-hmm. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go to the local school. Right. Um, so Now, why did your mom feel you couldn't go to the local school? Was it just because of I think of she felt like it was a safety issue. Safety issue, right. right. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother, like, I don't think my mom was particularly invested in my education. I think that was more my grandmother. So my grandmother actually paid for me to go to a private school. Okay. Um, and I was able to get. Um, so you were able to go to school. I was. Uh, you, so you did go to school. You're living in this community. Um, what was the end game for this idea to buy this property? What, what was it supposed to do for your family? Do you know? Um, I don't know. There's a whole lot of logic. A lot of my life is like that. It's constant schemes and okay. just kind of living in the moment and figuring your next move okay. uh, rather than, you know, really sustainable long term goals. Mm-hmm. So I definitely had a lot of that. I think I probably could write a whole book just on the crazy shenanigans <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that we went through. Wow. Wow. So you're six or seven years old. You're in Youngstown. Your grandmother's life, uh, her health is, is failing. Right. But your your mom has gone into this deal to purchase this home mm-hmm. in a really rough part of Youngstown. Some people would argue lots of parts. <laughs> yeah. Are, uh, we're from Ohio. Right. Um, oh, okay. So... Um, so now what? What happens? Where do you go from here? Well, so I'm in a new area. Um, I go to a school that is like, I mean, I don't know that it really was an hour commute every day, but I mean, I was on the bus for a very long time. Uh-huh. 
Um, it wasn't really safe to go out and mingle in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. So it was very alone, and very isolated. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't really have any friends. I didn't have any other peers that I was able to spend time with outside of school. And when we first moved, um, it was the summertime. So I wasn't okay. in school yet. All right. Okay. And I think we moved in May, maybe uh-huh. June in the uh-huh. house. Uh-huh. Um, so this man who had purchased the house, he was 37. He was single. He didn't have any children. Uh-huh. Um, he was very nice to me. Uh, he'd take me for ice cream. Uh, we'd run to the grocery store together. Uh, down the street was a state park that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we often took bike rides through there. And how old are you at this time? So at this time, I'm 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And, um, I mean, ultimately, he was grooming me. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like yeah. you were being groomed. So he was being, he was the he was the nice guy. Yeah. You can let your guard down with him. And and then where did this relationship go? Well, it, it became inappropriate. Huh? And How did that start? I mean, he—I mean, he blatantly said, "I wish you were older, uh, then we could date." I really find you attractive. So he's a thirty-some-year-old man saying this to an eleven-year-old child, right? And did your mother get wind of this? And I did. I specifically told her about it, uh-huh. and they thought, "Oh, that's cute. She has a crush on him." Oh, so you had a crush on him? That's yeah. why he was saying the inappropriate yeah. things to you. I don't get that, but okay, well, we'll yeah. go. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know exactly what was in the hearts of some people, mm-hmm. but I know that people weren't really working, and mm-hmm. I know the rent had to be paid, mm-hmm. and I know that people knew exactly what was going on and looked the other way. Do you really feel that it was uh, a conscious decision? At times I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you've discussed um, at this point in your life, or you, are you even at a point? Because sometimes when children have been harmed in this way, it's difficult to have the conversation because of the hurt, the resentment, and the anger. It is absolutely difficult to have this conversation, um, but I've, I've worked in the mental health care industry for a while. I have an education, and I know how often it happens. Mm. And how many people don't have a voice. Right, right. And so I use mine to speak up, even when it shakes. <laughs> so he's groomed you. Inappropriate things take place. Mm-hmm. You've told your mom. Mm-hmm. And her response is, it's your fault? Yeah. And how does this 11, now between 11 and 12-year-old, what's how did you cope inside of yourself because you made it sound like you didn't really have a friend group or -hmm. support group did you tell a teacher or a counselor did you tell anyone else besides you know i didn't um so there's that drastic age difference between my mom and her husband so she Uh was 33 when they got married Uh and um that set off the rumors that he was in our lives not as a partner for my mom but as possibly because there was something questionable going on between the two of us And so calls to the Department of Children's Services were often made. Um, Mm -hmm. There was talk about that. And I was told pretty early on that if I kind of tell the secrets of my household, Mm -hmm. I will be removed from that household and end up in a situation that's much worse. So you were afraid. Right. I was taught to fear that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you you get used to your own crazy, you know, your surroundings and whatnot. Uh, You have no idea how much worse it could possibly get. Mm -hmm. And you don't know how to navigate what's on the other side because you don't know exactly what that is so mm-hmm. um it's very much a survival mode just to stay where you are no matter how terrible it is mm-hmm. uh, that happens in a lot of cases it does and i've heard of it a lot of cases and but in your particular situation mm-hmm. that was your norm so you were you were made to feel afraid 
of being removed from the only family you knew, right? regardless of whatever was going on. Meanwhile, was the abuse continuing? It was. It was. Okay. And so I was not only experiencing sexual abuse from this person, but I was also experiencing a lot of physical abuse from my stepdad. Mm. So he hadn't really gotten to a point where he was healing. No. Right. And th that no. close age difference, I mean, could he actually be a father? No, he is a very disturbed individual uh -huh. and he has no business being anybody's father. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so you feeling like your mom has seen all of this, she knows all of this, but this is your fate and you cope. How? Well, my family kind of normalized it too. How do, what does that mean? I hear people say that. What do you like, mean normalize it's, it? It's like this is going on and nobody talks about it nobody raises any red flags Nobody's so it does like, it become oh my gosh we have to do something about this so does and it become okay to you as an 11 or 12 yeah. year old and you go along with well it? i mean it didn't hurt mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. unlike you know the blows from my stepdad mm -hmm. i got you so it was the lesser of evils right okay and um so here i am um one evening i am actually at, we're at somebody else's house and i'm hanging out with uh, somebody who i think she was a little older than me mm -hmm. And she's talking about, you know, going to soccer camp and we're playing a board game in the backyard and it's very normal. And I tell her about my 37-year-old boyfriend because at this point it's like, yeah, this, this is my life. And that is, I mean, at the time that's pretty much what I had going on. And how old were you when you had this discussion with? 11. <laughs> so, so naturally she was like there's something wrong here. Right. She told her mom, mm -hmm. her mom alerted authorities. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll never forget my mom's response. She was like, well, you're in trouble now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and how, take us to that feeling when your mom looks at you or doesn't look at you, in some cases that happens, and you're told you're in trouble. I wish I was dead. You wish I you had were no dead. idea what was next. I wasn't even under, I was confused about what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I you're didn't 11. Know, yeah, I didn't know, you know, like, I didn't like plan on my future or I just, I mean, I was in a constant state of just utter confusion. And so, you know, when that happens, okay, I'm in trouble. Well, what does that look like? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the authorities are called. Somehow you all get past this. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't right. know. What did the authorities, what was the summation of that? Um, he was, a, he ended up pleading to a lesser charge. Um, he got like 180 days in jail. Uh -huh. And then um, my family had to move to a different home, a okay. still in lo in Youngstown, still in a really, really questionable area. And then my grandmother passed away. Okay. so And then I stopped going, going to school. So you stopped going to school all together. Mm -hmm. That's where I was, was going. So during the time when you, how old were you when you stopped going to school? About 12? Mm -hmm. So you're about 12 years old, should have been maybe in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing during that time when other kids are going to school? A lot of household chores and taking care of my younger sister. Okay. Was she going to school? No. So nobody's going to school. Mm -mm. So this family is completely isolated in mm -hmm. this dysfunction. Yes. All right. So what's the next move for this family, for your family? What, what then happens? I could not deal with the constant chaos and abuse from my stepdad. You know, I was taller, I was bigger, I was like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Uh -huh. And um, I just really felt like if I stayed in this house, I was going to die. Uh -huh. um, so one night, I decided to make a run for it. It's March, it's winter, it's snowy, it's cold, I didn't even take a jacket. 
So in the house that we lived in, it had like the kind of locks where you have to have a key mm, yeah, to yeah. have it. And um, so I saw an opportunity where the key was in the lock. Mm-hmm. And um, I think my mom kind of picked up on what I was kind of planning and plotting. And mm-hmm. we both kind of raced for the door. And I just wanted to get through that door before that key was removed. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened is she ended up slamming my arm in the door, mm-hmm. which caused a jerk reaction you know, over mm-hmm. there. And so um, I didn't look back. I mm-hmm. just ran. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the door hit her and knocked her over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was found pretty quick. Um, the police seemed to know exactly who I was and, you know, who had reported me. Mm-hmm. Probably because I didn't really fit into the area and it was easy to spot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will tell you, in that neighborhood, though, I found safety with my neighbors. Did you? I did. I felt accepted. They were all very kind to me. I played with the kids mm-hmm. there. Um, I did not feel safe in the neighborhood outside of my... I mean, I felt safe in the neighborhood outside of my home mm. more than I felt yeah, inside my home. home. Isn't that something? Yeah. Right. So you returned to your home. What did your mom say? Well, I didn't you? return to my home. They actually oh, okay. ended up taking me to juvenile hall because okay. she said that I assaulted her. Ah, there you go. All right. So yeah. now you have to go and deal with that potential charge. Right. What happened with those charges? Uh, nothing happened with the charges. Uh, so I stayed in a facility, and uh, there was a like a classroom in the basement with mm-hmm. a teacher that most kids really didn't want to be there mm-hmm. and didn't offer much respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is exactly the place I wanted to be. <laughs> and uh, so he loved that. So I just uh, I spent most of my time there in the classroom, just reading books and talking to him about stuff and learning. And he was a safe person, he and you were in a safe place. That's good. So you were able to find some refuge. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So yeah. how long were you in the juvenile facility? I think it was maybe only a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what happens after juvenile? What do they do? Um, they couldn't keep me because ultimately I wasn't really like a bad kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about the details as far as, you know, conversations with adults and caseworkers and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of discussions that I wasn't part of and I wasn't really given that information. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what happened, though, is um, I ended up being placed with another family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a foster care situation. Okay. I did know um, I was friends with another girl who had had to leave her family mm-hmm. for similar reasons mm-hmm. and was living with her grandmother. Okay. And so she was like, well, I'm here with my grandmother and it's worked out. So let's see if we can do, do that too. And I'm like, okay. And my mom agreed to it. Uh-huh. And so I lived with them uh-huh. for, for a bit. Um, now, during this time when I lived with them over there, my mom had moved from Ohio back to Southern California. Okay. So you're still in Ohio mm-hmm. and your mom's in California. Right. So she's still your mom. How she's does that, still my mom. So how does that work out? And in she decides to fight um, turning over guardianship. Okay. And so this made it difficult for the person that was caring for me to act as a guardian. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to be enrolled in school or medical care or um, like, you know, state health insurance. Mm-hmm. Any of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like those benefits that um, foster kids foster normally have. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm with her over the summer again, it's May mm-hmm. um, that I ended up with there. And so we're, we're heading up on the beginning of the school year mm-hmm. and I need to go to school mm-hmm. and we just can't make it happen. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, we talked to the Department of Children's Services. Um, you know, she really tried to advocate for me. And ultimately, their response was just to return me to my mother. 
So you end up going out to California. Yeah. So how um, were you I'm when 14 you made this 14. Point. Okay. Yeah, I'm 14 at this point. So it's the fall of 14 mm-hmm. before I turned 14 mm-hmm. of 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was supposed to have some protection and security. So I was supposed to have a caseworker when I got out there mm-hmm. that was supposed to monitor things. Uh, the conditions were that my mom was supposed to enroll me in school. Mm-hmm. Did that happen? No. Okay. Did not. So you're 14. You're still not going to school. Right. So we're, we're in a trailer park, mm-hmm. um, okay. you know, where the houses are pretty close together. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to get enrolled in school and, you know, but I mean, I don't really believe that things are going to work out or happen because mm-hmm. they never do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I ended up doing instead is my stepdad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but he drove local route. Oh, okay. So he was home every night. Home pretty much every night. I mean, definitely long days, but home most every night. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went in the truck with him and mm-hmm. helped him. So he did specifically auto- automobiles. Okay. He would load automobiles. So mm-hmm. it's labor intensive. It's not just a matter of just sitting there and getting a load put on your truck and then you leave. Okay. Like you have to go get all the cars and you have to load them on. Oh, and then you have okay. to deliver them and, okay. and all of that. Okay. So... Um, that's what I did. And okay. uh, so sometimes 15, 17 hours a day. Wow. And the wow. truck was so they put you to work. Human trafficking is growing in Indiana. Learn how you can help protect current and future victims from further harm and how you can help stop the spread of it in your community. Pointcast is hosting a public forum and podcast on Sunday, August 25th at 3 p.m. The address is 9 Johnson Avenue, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46219. We look forward to you being there.